20 kids. Ready? Two, three, four. Did you get it? You were just going along with it. Did you get it? It's a Christmas song and Easter. Good choice. So that just this is how Easter goes for a worship guy. So literally, like 20 minutes ago, my guitar string broke. Mia ran home, and she brought me Benny's guitar. It's like this big. So I said, April fools, go back home. She went back home and brought me this guitar, and it's not completely in tune. So just carry on. Good enough. So let's start over. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He's alive. He's alive indeed. Come on. Work with me here. Let's just stop all the hubbub of the day. We've got our dress on. We've done Easter eggs, maybe. Father, we just pause. The food is cooking. The deviled eggs are done. The kids have been crazy. It is all good. But remembering the truth and the foundational thing today, that you are alive, that you live, that you are full of hope, that you are full of life, that you have the power to raise us out of our darkness, to raise us out of our grief. You have the power, Father, to help us when we can't help ourselves. And today we're reminded that you're our king, that you're our God, and that we are not. And we submit before that today. We thank you. And we all said, Amen. Because the Lord is risen today. Joy. 
come today and we celebrate that, that we serve a God that is living and active, that we serve a, a, a God that sees and hears and knows and is actively working even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it. Father, we're reminded today that you, at your very core, are good. And we always don't know how to define good. We often define it the American way. But we know your ways are higher and deeper and better. So we trust you. We say again that we depend on you. And that we need you to bring the dead things in our lives back to life. We need you to resurrect our hearts, our futures, our goals. We thank you. Amen. You may be seated.
Declare it one more time. Oh. 
Sunday morning, if we can reflect on our own life, when did he chase you down? When did he allow you to be knocked down? How has he shown you that he will go anywhere for you? Where have you seen his grace? take a moment and will you tell him maybe thank him maybe ask him to show you how he's pursuing you Thank you, Father, that you just do not leave us to ourselves. Sometimes very subtle whispers. Sometimes it feels like you have left us, and other times you shout loudly. Thank you. couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away again I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away one more time I didn't earn it and I don't deserve it still you give yourself by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Never heard of him. This morning as I look over this evil, sinful world, it does not depress me because I expected nothing better. Whatever Whatever may be going against me, Whatever may be happening in my own body, this is what I must expect because of sin, because we live in a broken world. But though I die, I shall rise again. I shall see him face to face. I shall see him as he is. And I shall be like him like him in my glorified body with every power renewed 
and I shall be a living in a realm that is incorruptible and undefiled. A realm that can never fade away. That is the living hope of the resurrection. That is the message of this Easter morning. And that hope is absolutely safe and secure. The resurrection itself guarantees it all. Every enemy has been destroyed. Christ has conquered every one of them. Christ is our forerunner. He has gone to prepare a place for us. And he will come again to receive us into himself. That is Jesus' guarantee, and nothing can stop it. Can death stop it? Of course not, for he has already conquered death. Can the devil? No. Christ has already vanquished the devil. Can hell? No. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God, who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ announces that he has conquered every enemy. He has vanquished every foe. He has risen triumphant from the grave. Neither death nor life, neither hell nor anything else can prevent or delay the coming of the kingdom in all its glory. He alone, Jesus alone, is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus alone is King of kings and Lord of lords, and Jesus alone has the power. Is that good? Is that good news? It's good news. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Oh
Father, you are trustworthy. As you call us to give up more, as you call us to relinquish more, as you, as you call us to let go, let our, off our grip of that thing we're holding on to, that we're scared to let go. You're telling us that you are good, that you are trustworthy, that you will not let us crumble or fall. You will not let us slip away. You're calling us deeper into you. May we all let go. As you call me deeper still as you call. closed and your attention fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Jesus, we declare our love and our gratitude for you today, for who you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creating and sustaining God of all the universe. But we also, we also thank you today for what you have done. Greater love has no one than this, than he that would lay down his life for his friends. And that is what you have done for us. We, we celebrate today your resurrection because you laid down your life for us. You became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we are overwhelmed by your grace and your mercy that envelops us today, that woos us today, draws us into your presence. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is not anything that we have earned, and no, we don't deserve it. It's not just cool little words in a song. It's scripture. It's, it's profound truth today. we thank you and we honor you for that reality. And it is all because of you that there is joy welling up inside of us, even, even in the midst of the darkest of circumstances. Where, oh, 
death is your victory. Where is your sting? It has been removed. It has been, it has been overcome. It has been redeemed. We have been restored. We have been transformed because of this victory. And we have hope, everlasting hope. Is all about you today. It's all about you today. Open up our hearts and our minds as we dig into your word. May it truly be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we embrace it and allow it to change and transform us. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all prayed and everybody declared, amen. You may be seated. And as you're doing so, I want to invite our ushers to join us up here as we prepare for and continue to worship him through our giving. Jesus, you are our provider. Thank you for the provision that has come. Thank you for the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it. Bless it. Multiply it. Accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Resurrection Sunday. I want us to back up a little bit, though. So let me set the stage as we look towards looking at John chapter 18. So feel free to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 18. If you brought one. If you didn't bring one, that's okay. We will have Scripture up on the screen. Jesus has... Had, had met up with, with his followers, his disciples, had walked them through the Passover Seder meal, had said some really profound things inside of that that really was beginning to 
shake things up, stir things up for that evening. In fact, he, he had sent Judas out of the room saying, go and do what you're going to do. And at that point, Satan had entered into Judas's heart and he went out to begin to work out the details of betraying Jesus. Jesus leads the rest of the disciples from that supper to the Garden of Gethsemane where we see him in deep and agonizing prayer. We see him saying words like, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me, yet not my will but your will be done. There's, there's an intense battle going on inside of him that he, he relents his humanity, knowing what is ahead of him, the, the imminent suffering that was just hours away. In the midst of that prayer time, Judas shows up with a, with a small army, kisses him. Jesus is arrested and while in custody, stands before a, a few different people. And we pick up the reading today, chapter 18 of the Gospel of John, right at verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus responds, I've spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. And Jesus said that when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, testify as to what is wrong. But if I speak the truth, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warning, warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a, a rooster began to crow, and he had fulfilled what Jesus had prophesied in his denial. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Let's just pause there for a moment. We need to, uh, we need to wrap our minds around this. Pure hatred is pouring out of these church leaders of the day. Yet so that they could remain ceremonially clean, they didn't want to step into the praetorium. Just ponder the irony of that for a moment. These men had been planning a murder, plotting to kill this Jesus. 
and the momentum is, is going now. So, instead of them going into Pilate's territory, Pilate comes out. Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? Pilate is, is the Roman governor of this territory, the, the, the leader, the manager of, of this territory. Pretty notorious guy, quick to kill, quick to react, um, awful reputation. That's who we're dealing with here. And they bring him to Pilate, and they bring him to Pilate because of his reputation. There's, there's a safe assumption. If we just bring Jesus before him, he'll just get rid of him. It's, it's his, it's his, it's the way he operates. This will be easy. This is a slam dunk. They bring him to Pilate. So what are the charges that you're bringing against this man? They're like, look, if he weren't a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. They don't even answer the question. They're just like, look, man, we wouldn't have brought him before you unless we believed him to be a criminal. So just, you know, do your pilot thing. You see, we have no right to execute anyone. Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law, Pilate responds. Well, 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 we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. And this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. See, this is really interesting because they actually could, on their own, kill Jesus. They could stone him. They'd done it before. They'll do it again. Certainly could have functioned right inside of that. But see, they didn't want to become ceremonially unclean. They didn't want to mess up the Passover experience they were looking forward to. I realize, I don't want us to be confused. Jesus had done the Passover with his disciples the night before. I think we can come to the understanding that the reason Jesus did it on the day before he was supposed to was because he was going to become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He himself was going to become the Passover lamb in just a matter of hours. In absolute fulfillment of this whole picture. These guys, though, they haven't done it yet. They're looking forward to that. They don't want to mess anything up with that. So they don't want to become ceremonially unclean. They want their hands to be washed of this. Hand them off to Pilate. He'll take care of it. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die because Jesus had said, you will see the Son of Man lifted up. Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? See, it's an important distinction because if it's Pilate's own idea, then we're talking about a king that would possibly want to overthrow Caesar. That's certainly problematic for Pilate. Why are you asking me this, Pilate? Is this coming from you, from a Roman concern, or has somebody else spoken to you about me? Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? My kingdom 
is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you are a king then. You say that I'm a king. And in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Truth. What is truth? I find that that's a question that still people want to ask. Especially when it comes to morality. Especially when it comes to things like the straight and the narrow. When it comes to something like the phrase, God's way. I like to eat. And, and, and occasionally I enjoy going to the buffet, though most of the time it kind of grosses me out. Because people let their dirty-fingered little kids just run around and touch everything. And so I'm not a huge fan of the buffet, but the buffet is an interesting thing. Because the, the buffet, what it, what it allows everybody to do, my family of six can walk into the buffet, we, we pay our fee, we each get a plate, and we can go to whatever part of the buffet that we want to, and we can pick and choose any food that we feel like eating on, at that moment. We sit down at the table together, and what I have on my plate is good for me, and what Jackson has on his plate is good for him, what Sarah has on her plate is good for her. And you know what? A lot of people approach truth that way. Your truth is good for you. My truth is good for me. Let's eat. Pilate is essentially asking that kind of a question. Truth? What, what is truth? With this, he went out again to the, to the Jews gathered there, and he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. So do you want me to release the king of the Jews? The crowd shouts back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Barabbas was a known criminal, an insurrectionist. The Romans would have considered him a terrorist. Possibly the Jews would have considered him somewhere along those lines as well. He was known for murder. He was up for crucifixion himself. But there's this, this odd thing that Pilate would do every year at the time of Passover. He would, he would release a prisoner to Israel. So Pilate works this out in his mind. Just, just as the Jews had manipulated things to bring before Pilate because they just knew his reputation, Pilate is totally pushing against their manipulations. And he's like, I don't want any part of this. I don't want any part of this. So he's got this worked out in his mind. 
I'm going to bring Jesus out here who there's clearly no, nothing that he's done wrong. And then I'm going to bring Barabbas out here who everybody knows what he has done, the evil that he has been a part of, how deserving this guy is of death. I'm bringing these two guys out. There's no way that they're going to choose Barabbas to be released. In this dialogue, as, as Pilate is engaging this crowd with, with, with the, the leader standing right in front of him, Caiaphas, the great high priest, understand the irony of this. Caiaphas, is, Caiaphas as, as the high he's the one that is allowed to go into the Holy of Holies one time of, the one time of year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This is the guy that just a few months before had gone into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifice, to offer up repentance on behalf of the nation of Israel. This is, this is Israel's representative before God. Yet in an amazing irony, he's the one yelling out, front and center, release to us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. He's the one saying, we have no king but Caesar. You find that in the other gospels. No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, had him tortured. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And again, they slapped him in his face. And once more, Pilate comes out speaking to the crowd there. Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted even louder, crucify, crucify. Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. And the Jewish leaders insisted. We have a law, and according to that law, he must die be, because he claimed to be son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace, pulling Jesus aside, asks him, where did you come from? And Jesus goes into silence mode. Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And at that point, he speaks. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate's trying to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders, they kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When he heard this, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judge's seat, at a place known as the Stone Pavement. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king. 
But they shouted, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. And Barabbas was ultimately set free. Barabbas is an interesting character in, in, in this story, often overlooked, passed right on by. Barabbas was supposed to die, deserved it. He had earned it. It was his punishment. It was what was coming to him. Barabbas has an interesting name. Barabbas Bar Abbas literally means son of father. Imagine this. Pilate flanked by two individuals. Son of Father, the Son of the Father. Pilate flanked by two individuals, Son of Father, who had clearly sinned, had, had, had clearly committed murder, deserving of the execution that was imminent deserving of the crucifixion, of the death that was coming his way. In fact, most likely, the cross that Jesus carried probably could have been created for Barabbas himself. It, it, it was ready. He was ready to go. Pilate flanked by two men, son of father and the son of the father, the son of the father who in his eyes, even with his own reputation of being quick to react, quick to kill, quick to execute, even his own eyes can't find any reason for this. Sent him off to be flogged, figuring surely this will be enough and I can wash my hands of this whole thing. Oh, no, it wasn't enough. He brings the two of them out. Crucify him. Set him free. Barabbas. Barabbas is us. We are Barabbas. Our reality is his reality. What he earned and deserved, we have earned and deserved. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is humanity's reality. 
not just 2,000 years ago, not just one individual. This is humanity's reality still today. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. This is what Barabbas had earned. It's what he deserved. It's where he was headed until Jesus came along. Jesus shows up on the scene and he changes the whole game. With his silence. He takes Barabbas' cross. With intentionality, he carries that cross. And with a deep, profound passion, he lays his life on that cross. It's what he earned, it's what he deserved, and he did it. His reality is our reality. Barabbas' truth is our truth. All the whole gospel of John from start to finish has a single purpose. As you walk through that book, and if you haven't done so, I would encourage you, I would implore you to do so. You would see, you would see a word that keeps showing up over and over and over and over again. And it's the word believe. The whole thing is written for one purpose, that we would believe. The simple truth that Jesus, the Son of God, is the Messiah. And the work of Messiah was simple yet profound. He would become the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. He died for us. He took our cross. He carried our cross. And he laid himself on our cross, taking our shame, our sin upon himself, saying these words, it is finished. With your eyes closed, with your eyes closed, there, there, is, a, there is an imperative question that I've got to ask today of each one of us. Do you truly believe? Have you believed? Is, is it, there's probably, there are probably some here today that Your journey, your life has reflected other than belief in Jesus as Savior. 
And right now in this moment, the Spirit of God is, is coming over you. And you're feeling that tension. You're feeling that draw. You're feeling a tug. And, 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 it's, and it's, it's God himself saying, I did this for you. I love you. I want you. I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to embrace you. I want to spend eternity with you. All that I have prepared in heaven, I have prepared for you. I want you to be with me forever. I have already done the work. It's just a matter of you saying yes to me. I'm going to say a prayer. It's a repeat after me prayer. What I'm asking is that everybody in this room would do this. And I realize that many of us, most of us in here, have already said this prayer at some point in our lives. I'm asking us all to participate in this as a support to those who are, might be saying this for the first time today. It's a prayer of forgiveness, of, of salvation, of, of, of embracing this plan, this reality, this truth. If everybody would just repeat after me, dear Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe you lived out a perfect life and became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You accomplished it. You finished it. I believe. I have sinned. I've fallen short. I need forgiveness. I'm asking for it. Forgive me today. Live in me today. Change me today. Transform me today. Make me new. My life belongs to you. Starting now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With your eyes closed for us. I, I just... Thank you for joining me in that prayer. I want to ask this. If there was anybody in this room today who said that prayer for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, you rededicated, recommitted your life, would you just wave your hand? I just want to know. One, two, three, four, five, six. Anybody else? Seven. Eight. I'm just, you can pick up your, your, eye, your heads now. I mean, let, let me just tell you this. There is a huge party happening right now in heaven. A huge celebration. Because people have said yes to Jesus' plan, just like most of us in here have already done. 
Eight people gave their lives to the Lord today. Can we join in that celebration? Next Sunday, a week from today, we're going to have a baptismal set up. We've had people that have been ready for baptisms. I want to speak to the eight today. I want to ask you to prayerfully consider being here a week from today and joining in the death and resurrection of Jesus through, through the act of baptism. It's a profound step in the faith journey. But I want to speak to everybody here because there, there might be others that this is something that you've been thinking about, something you've been intending to do. Maybe next week is your time to take this step as well. It's a tremendous celebration. It's fun. It's a, it's a party. And you don't want to miss it. That's, that's happening a week from today. I want to know that you want to be a part of that. So here's what I want to do. I, I, I'm going to hand out my phone number. I do this often. It's not crazy. I, I do it a lot. And I want you to text me if you're interested in becoming baptized next Sunday. It may be that they could pull it up on the screen, but I'm going to say it out. Here's my phone number. 719-310-2217. 719-310-2217. If you are interested in becoming baptized a week from today, I want to hear from you, and we're going to get ourselves prepared for that celebration. I think it would be very appropriate for us to close today in song. Before we do so, can we just thank Scott for his ministry? Scott did this one for us four years ago. He's done lots of Jesuses. This is his first Barabbas. I assure you. He is us. His story is our story. Because of his story. Let's stand together and sing together. It's a love.
right here. You are you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace and his presence and his spirit. Have an amazing resurrection day, powerful week, walking in him. See you next Sunday. Why should I get